Excellent. Welcome to another episode of the Embodied Mommy podcast. We're coming on laughing already because it's just what we do. So I'm here with guests for this entire season, Jamie Gray. Hi, Jamie. Hello, everyone. Hey, Jamie. And here with Melissa Boley from the Flourish Fund, amongst many other things. Hi, Melissa. Hi, glad to be here. Yes, thank you so much for coming on. So Melissa and I met really at the very beginning of when I launched my first business, Integrative Wellness Journeys. And you were doing something so amazing at the time, which was the, the um, I almost want to call it Flourish Fund again, but it wasn't Mom Unity. It already feels like a million years ago. But you just were so incredible right off the bat in, in you know, creating this space for moms, welcoming like all moms, all people in the wellness space, helping moms, serving moms coming in. And I love it because I feel like this has just all come back full circle because at the time I wasn't really focused on this, you know, I wasn't, you know, really just more kind of general. And then I love that, you know, I've kind of come back to this space to where I feel like you first opened the door for me personally, you know, many years ago, as we were just talking about. So, Melissa, can you just introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us who you are and what you're up to right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that this was the path that it took you down. Cause like you, the way you support moms, the energy you have, it's just like, it's magical and it's exactly what's needed. So I'm so happy that this was kind of your, your niche that like you ultimately decided was where you wanted to go. Um, so yeah, back in the day, uh, we started with, with a company called Mom Unity, which is what you were talking about. And Um, It really came to be out of um, my own birth experience, and I think we'll talk about that probably a little bit later specifically, but um, the recognition that like I didn't, everyone was focused on like the baby, and what I needed was a lot of help, not really the baby. I needed help. And, um, I found that the things that made the biggest impact for me was really that village. And I feel like that used to exist. Um, I did a lot of research coming out of both pregnancies and both postpartum experiences and realized very quickly that like a lot of other cultures, religions, they, they support the mom first. And they do that through like, actually in person support, and they have their village there and they've been able to like, turn their outcomes around based on that. So that was kind of just the, the realization was like, you know, that the people doulas, uh, pelvic floor physical therapists, lactation consultants, those are the people that were really making a, a big, big difference for my journey. And then when I talked to other moms, we, we heard that across the board it was like, I'm challenged with, you know, physical recovery or mental recovery, and I really don't know where to go. And I don't know if this is normal. And it wasn't until we were having a lot of, you know, conversations, like we're having these conversations and, and people are like, oh, wait, you feel the same way or you went through the same thing. Um, and so that was, that was a mom, mom unity. And, and we actually had this amazing platform. And ultimately what mom said to us was like, you know what, I really wish I had put these things on my baby registry. Can you make this something that I can get my friends and family to contribute to? And instead of spending it on like a $2,000 stroller that like, I'm going to use maybe once put it towards something that's really going to make my family, you know, healthier, happier, stronger, um, at the end of the day. So that really was, it was, it was listening to moms and hearing what they were wanting that ultimately drove us to the Flourish Fund, which allows people to, um, you know, support moms in a new way and help them get that village around them. And the other part that I didn't really recognize at the time that you kind of touched on is the provider connection. So we were bringing all these people who are focused on, you know, how we support mothers, which are just like the, the, thread in our society, right? Like they're, they're what they're the glue in society. And, um, you had all these amazing providers coming together and all of a sudden everyone's connecting, you know, with one another and thinking about how do we offer holistic, you know, support to, to moms by offering all these different pieces all in one, in one platform or through one class. And it's been really amazing to see those relationships bloom, which I know you've still continued to, to talk to many of the, the providers and work with them closely. I mean, so close that I'm renting space from Melissa, the pelvic floor PT <laughs> once a week in her office. Yes, I love it. <laughs> so that's that's kind of the, the, the high level story. But 
it's been, it's been a real labor of love, mm. um, building it and, uh, seeing it kind of take off now has been really, really amazing. Oh my God. Incredible. And can you tell us a little bit about your, your birth story? And cause obviously that sounds like the real catalyst. I mean, you come from a completely different background from any of this stuff that we're talking about. <laughs> so what's, I mean, yeah, like you left this big, crazy job doing something totally different, right? You're like a scientist or something, aren't you? Some kind of magical, crazy engineer. <laughs> a magical scientist engineer. Uh, but yeah, so my background's biomedical engineering, but I think it again was that realization, like I spent my whole life working in the medical world and healthcare on devices and recognizing through my journey, um, having children that I was always focused on treatment of symptoms or treatment of conditions. And there were so many things that could have been done on the front end to prevent those things. And I was like, wait a second, why am I not committing my entire you know, career and energy to the things that will prevent postpartum depression and anxiety, that will prevent pelvic floor prolapse, that will prevent umbilical hernias, like all the things I worked on. And now you're getting a garbage truck in front of my house. <laughs> hey, garbage day. Taking out the trash. It is so loud. <laughs> I'll just say that I have ripped off my tea holder and I'm scribbling notes and questions on the side because my brain is exploding. My soulpreneur brain is like, this is so good. So I will refrain until we need those topics, but I've got a list of them that I think are so important for this topic, for people, for women. And I know that we have focused so much on these episodes on like helping and support and tools, but I think this finally, like having the Flourish Fund on, right, is like, I think a lot of women burst open on a creative level when you're pregnant, but then when you give birth, you know, something explodes in you. Maybe not everyone, but I think on some level it does happen to most of us, right? So it, it's a spark, it's an initiation. And this is a perfect example of this. I think there will be other listeners on here who will be like, that happened to me. I, I associate with this. I have an idea. I have a soul spark. I need to do it. And I think you're a perfect person to explain this, Melissa. So I'm so glad that you're on. It's actually kind of funny because I feel like it's not, maybe this is another one of those things that we don't really talk about that much, or, but maybe a lot of us experience that after having a baby, after birth, you do get these like crazy ideas and inspiration. I mean, that's when it was after that I started my business the where I started to really conceptualize it with Eddie. And then after I had Charlie, as I've talked about here before, that was when that whole idea of Reiki like a mother came in. And that's when I needed to start yep. the Embodied Mommy program and brand and obviously this podcast and stuff. So it is really interesting how that initiates. And actually another wonderful provider that I met through Melissa, Jasmine, she is going to be a guest on here as well on this podcast. Yeah, where we're going to talk about the womb energetics and I think we'll probably get more into that and the birthing and the creation and all of that stuff. Oh, that's amazing. I never heard that, that term before, soulpreneur. I love it. Is that like a known thing? It's, I feel like I'm just calling it like, you know, like a next level consciousness people are, I, I've looked it up to try to see if one person started it or if, uh, it's, it's kind of like how people mompreneur, yeah. solopreneur, mompreneur, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just like, so uh, like, uh, there are a bunch of like, uh, Steve Noble has written a book for it. Other people have written books. There's different podcasts on it. If there was like a YouTube video, so it doesn't look like one person. I think like these things just hit the consciousness level and you're just like, I am ready to receive this, you know? So I've really positioned myself as a soulpreneur coach because that's who I want to work with are people that are like struck down with these soul purpose, you know, sparks, whatever it is. And they're like, I have to do this thing, whether it's a passion project or a business, it's coming from your soul. It's coming from deep within you versus like, I want to sell a bunch of stuff. Right. 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 That's, I love that. That is fascinating. Cause that's exactly. And then you've your chances of success when it's like a burning 
passion that you have for something, it's it's going to happen um, with your support, of course. Right, right. <laughs> well, especially when it's serving, you know, when it's yeah. serving and it's literally like, re- and I think anything, and Jamie, I know as somebody who has worked with you as my coach, right? And also just knowing all the other people in your container, you know, the, the people who are doing their soul aligned work and projects, not all healing or healing work or healing arts or things like that, but it's, it's really anything that's helping to raise the vibration of the planet. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. I feel like we could probably go really far in this direction. So I'm going to reel us back in real quick. But so Melissa, you were talking about kind of how your background was in, you know, the medical field and you saw this oh, yes. right between like serving, serving new moms and, you know, how we could prevent so many of the issues that probably a lot of the listeners maybe experienced or hopefully will not experience because now they've heard of some of this shit before it actually happened. <laughs> exactly. Until we had like the garbage party outside my uh, door. It was so funny. They were just like chit chat and I'm like, all right, move, move along. Um, anyway, so yes, um, medical devices was my jam, uh, worked on like all sorts of stuff. And, and ultimately it really was, you know, the, <clears throat> I think the first time around, I really was focused on like, trying to get have the best pregnancy I possibly could have. And I was researching everything. I was asking my doctor like a million questions. And at no point in time, did anybody mention a doula? Did anybody mention a lactation consultant? Did anybody mention postpartum or perinatal mood disorders? Like it just wasn't something that was being talked about. And a friend came to me and she was like, you know, I I see what you're trying to accomplish with this birth. And I think you might want to consider a doula. And I was like, a do what? I've never even heard the term. I didn't, I had no idea what it was. I looked it up and like lower C-section rates, lower NICU rates. Like these are all evidence-based things, which is like the world that I lived in. And I'm like, oh my God, why doesn't everybody have a doula? And then I realized there was like, why doesn't everybody have a nutritionist? Why doesn't everybody have Reiki? Why does it started like kind of bubbling up on like, why don't we have these supports and this network at our fingertips covered by insurance, to be honest, which we're starting to make big strides there. But that was, that was kind of my realization. And a lot of, again, a lot of other countries really did. So my, my birth story, that was number one was like a friend coming to me and like, Hey, I know a doula, you want to call her. And I ended up having the same one, the one that she recommended for both my births. And it like opened my eyes to this whole other world of like within the community, how many resources, tools, support there is that people just aren't aware of. Um, but my, my first birth was, I it was really well supported. It was very long. Thank God for my, so I keep looking out my window. The hospital is in my front yard. Like literally I live in the hospital parking lot essentially. So, um, when I had my first, my doula came to my house and like all the things, the bloody show, all these scary things were happening where I was like, I need to go to the hospital. I need to, it's just like, no, you're doing fine. You're okay. Like, let's help you kind of calm down. She taught me a lot of breathing techniques leading up to it that when I was in those moments, I could actually employ them because I'd been practicing them with her throughout my pregnancy. Um, and so we, we did end up going to the hospital. I like waddled across the parking lot to the (laughs) hospital (laughs) in labor, um, the first time. And I like, they, they had me there. Um, and they're like, I think you can probably go home. So they sent me back home. I was five centimeters dilated already, but they were like, you know, you're, you're right there. They sent me home. Then I went back again at noon. Cause I got a little anxious about like things were progressing and they kept me for an hour and they're like, yeah, it doesn't seem like things are progressing, but we want you to stay. And I'm like, no, I know what happens when you stay at the hospital. I want to go home. And so they let me go back home. And then uh, the third time I came in, they didn't let me go back home. But um, <laughs> and then they looked at it they're like, you had a really short labor. I'm like, that's because I was here three times and walked oh. back. But um, I don't know. I felt really well supported. But one particular thing happened where. Um, my OB actually, um, broke my water without asking me like, yeah, she, she, she was talking to my husband and I, the doula was there, Laura, and she's absolutely incredible. 
And she's like, I think I'm, I'd like to break your water. And I was like, I really, I need to understand what the pros and the cons might be of this. Like, I feel like won't that break on its own when, when I'm ready. And she did a cervical exam and she just did it. And I remember feeling in that moment, cause I was like, what, what's happening? Why is there water rushing at? Like, I didn't understand what happened. And my doula was there. My husband was there. We were literally having a conversation about all the pros and cons. And she just went and did it. And that one moment, like, I will never forget it. And it was like, and I, that was the only moment that I had where I didn't feel empowered. And I can only imagine people who are going through that, you know, experience, not being able to make those decisions, you know, and feel good in the decisions that they're making, what that must be like. So that was, that was a big, um, that was, that was eye opening. Um, but then ultimately had a healthy, happy baby. Um, I ended up having some pelvic floor challenges, went back to my OB, told them about that. And he's like, you've at this point, this is after my second, he's like, you've had two kids. What else can you expect? And sent me home. Like, didn't give me any options. Didn't talk about anything I could be doing or anybody I could be seeing. And I was like, this, there's like this whole gap in women's health. Like people just don't, they, they don't listen. They don't recognize the challenges that we face in research. We're not even part of clinical research. I started researching, you know, hormones and women's bodies in the nineties. So there's not even like anything to base anything off of. Um, so there's just a huge, huge gap. And that was, that just motivated me after, you know, both births, the second one I was induced, um, and had again, a a really great experience, but I really attribute that to, to the doula. And I was like, I think everybody should feel this supported. Breastfeeding didn't come easy afterwards. So I ended up having her there and she introduced me to lactation consultants. So I, again, think you just need, when you're overwhelmed, especially postpartum, that was a shock to me. I prepped so much for birth and postpartum. I was like, what just happened to me? I'm bleeding out of every orifice. (laughs) I'm exhausted. I don't know what to do with this thing that I've been sent home with. Um, I didn't feel like myself anymore. So anyway, it was just, it was very, very um, challenging. And at that point in time is not the time you should be like online trying to figure out, like, I feel like I have these symptoms. Who should I reach out to? It really should be, you know, just automatic that we're getting this level of support. Do you think, had you had a different experience, had it been A to Z perfectly fine, right? Do you think you would have been pushed to that level to go explore these things, question these things, and then create, ultimately create a different experience for women? Probably not. I don't think so. I think it's until you are in somebody's shoes, which is why I think it's so challenging. Like currently we're fundraising, for example, and I'm, I'm, I'm pitching to uh, men and they're sitting there going, my wife was just fine. And I'm like, until you've been in somebody's shoes and you understand the experience, you can't truly understand. And again, I had, I had a fairly good experience, but the little glimpses that I got into what probably the normal birth experience is like was enough to set me off on this path. But had I had a perfect, not questioned a single thing type of birth, uh, probably not. But my guess is that may happen in like the UK and Denmark. I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't believe many people. I think probably 1% of people have the perfect right. <laughs> supported birth right. Yeah, in this country. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think one thing that's really important to touch on too is how to even find these people, right? I mean, like the doula, a friend had recommended, then the doula recommended to you these consultants and things like that. Like you said, I think it's very hard for people to identify. First of all, they don't know that these are resources. So there's like Mm -hmm. the first problem, right? And then the other problem is, okay, I know that these exist. How do I find them? Right. And then, you know, and, and I mean, that's like, that's a big, that's a big job right there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a, what a sacred experience of having a child, even being there during like breastfeeding and things like that, to be able to have the connection. I think that is, that is one of the really huge benefits of what you're putting together right now with the Flourish Fund, because not only do you have this network of providers where people can go in and receive these, these services or whatever, whether it is a sleep consultant, 
for your baby, right? Or a massage or a doula or, you know, any of these things. Nutrition, I know, is, a, you know, another option on there too. There are so many, obviously Reiki, right, with me. Mm-hmm. But the fact that these are vetted practitioners, I think is really, really important and really powerful. So as somebody who has met a lot, I mean, you have networked, you have met with so many different people in the field. What are some of the things that, you know, people maybe could look for or should look for when they're looking for some of these resources? Yeah, we, um, it's a great point. And it's actually one of the things that um, we heard from moms was even in mom unity, when we brought that you know, platform together and started making those connections, we heard from moms like, we're overwhelmed. How do we navigate? Even now you're bringing the resources to us, but I still need to figure out what I need, who's the right fit for me, Um, you know, be flexible enough that like, if, for example, a mom gives you a breastfeeding consult, right? Or like, you, you get that as, as one of your um, one of your registry items that all of a sudden you're not breastfeeding for one reason or another, that you can go repurpose that for a Reiki session, a massage. Like the one constant in motherhood has changed. So like these were things that we were hearing from our mom. So what, what we did, um, I hope this answers your question, uh, is we went and we vetted all the providers. So there's no, you know, people can't just come on and create a listing. Every single person goes through a thorough you know, 30 minute interview, we understand the specialty areas, the types of patients they like to focus on or the moms or the families. Um, and we kind of sort, we, we, we help moms figure out what the right potential solution is for them. They can continue to explore beyond that, but what we're trying to do is make it as easy as humanly possible for people to become aware of the resources, access the right ones and pay for it. Those three things is what we're trying to help people um, get so it all improves access to, to wellness. Um, and so what we do is every, every family that comes in, we actually do an assessment, it's called a wellness score. Um, and we look at who's in their support system today, we look at what they're doing for self-care today, And then we also look at like, what have they done around getting ready for baby? And then we customize essentially a package for them and say, based on what you told us, here's some providers that really, what are, what cultural preferences do you have? Do you have any language preferences? And we kind of filter down the, you know, 200 providers that we have to like, here's the three or four services that we think you could really benefit from where you are in your journey today. And we want to continue to, you know, monitor that. And then here's the right, um, you know, set of resources for you. And if they're not, here's, you know, the, the, you know, master list and you can, you can go find others, but that's really kind of the goal is just to make it as simple as possible so that people can get access when they're need it most and they're most overwhelmed. Wow. <laughs> this is like a tangible example of the future of healthcare. Yeah. Like you have brought this and manifested this into the physical realm. Like I am just, I have chills. I'm amazed. I'm like, you need to be, I don't know. We need to like shout this from the rooftops. Like this is the future for anyone who's like, wait, give me some examples of like, what's in this. Can you just like, give us a quick idea of like, what are the categories here? Yeah. That's a great, great point. And I agree. This is the future of healthcare. And I would argue that it exists in other cultures. We just need to implement it here in this country. Um, But yeah, so the things that we have um, that we really focus on, doulas is a a big piece of of what we do. Um, A lot of the doulas that we've worked with have kind of opened up the network and said, here are my favorite people that I refer out as well. And then they come into the network as well. So doulas are absolutely amazing. And we have birth and postpartum doulas. Um, We have yoga and uh, fitness. So like prenatal, postpartum fitness. I mean, I remember after having my baby going to like some crazy boot camp and like ripping my rectus muscle, sorry, my my stomach apart and like having hip issues and stuff like that. There's really things you should be doing in a very, you know, intentional way while you're pregnant and then while you're recovering postpartum. So we, again, vet people and make sure that the fitness um, and yoga instructors that we have are actually specializing in pre and postnatal um, care. Um, We also have childbirth educators. 
We have pre and postnatal massage, which again, that was, I, I ended up having a postpartum massage after my second. I'm like, oh my God, this again should be something everybody, mm-hmm. everybody gets. I had a prenatal um, one. It was incredible. Yes, prenatal, yeah. Prenatal is amazing, but postpartum, like I was like hunched over trying to nurse the baby. And like, I was just so out of whack from the birth that it made a big difference. Um, Reiki as well. Um, and then we have, um, meal delivery services. So that's something that we recently added based on, you know, mom saying like, I really could just use a meal. I don't want to cook for the family, which normally you've got, again, your village, your family dropping off meals. And we all are, you know, living far apart now. And and for a lot of people, that's not, not possible. So I think that's the majority of the categories. Oh, sleep consultants as well. Sleep and lactation consultants. Cause that's, that's actually probably the number one um, booking that we get is people trying to find providers for sleep support and breastfeeding support. Absolutely. Do you have people coming to you to be part of this or have you really had to go out and find people? Like what has been the response to this? Um, I would say early on when, when we were doing mom unity, which was about three years ago, it was really that outreach piece. But then when we kind of moved to, to flourish fund, Um, And then we've actually luckily gotten a couple of um, stories and press, like national press and stuff. All of a sudden, people were flooding our inbox. We actually have a wait list right now for providers, which is really exciting because we don't want to have like too many providers with too little moms coming through. So we're constantly trying to find that balance. So right now, um, we're currently on a wait list, um, but we plan to expand uh, regionally. And our focus is in New England. So we have the most providers in Rhode Island and Massachusetts today. And then we have them sprinkled from Connecticut all the way up to Maine, um, above and beyond that. And then the goal is go to the Mid-Atlantic, go out to the West Coast, make this a reality in every single region of the country because everybody needs support. Um, And they should be able to just, you know, pick up the phone or call, like have somebody at their house when they need it. Oh my God, this is so good. Okay. I, it just seems that you have like bridged the gap. Like I see the world that we're in as like, we are just creating new bridges to go from land to land, right? Wherever you are to where you want to be. Um, how do you deal with, or what are your thoughts on the whole, like burn it down idea? Because I get that fiery, passionate, like this isn't working anymore. Let's burn it down. But I also study the planet and I study evolution and the ecosystem. And I think when we have this idea of like burn it down, people are very disconnected from the web of life. And if we're trying to destroy something in one area, right, they aren't realizing that we are actually a part of all of it. Mm-hmm. And I think before we have burn it down, destroy the empire type of stuff, we're going to have a lot of people like you bridging the gap, filling up the gap, finding their little sector of the world. I mean, like, how can I help now? How can we bring life back to this? How can we like put life force into this? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think you've just like really demonstrated this beautifully, but I'm sure you've had your own burn it down feelings. Right. So like, what is your take on that? I'm just really curious. It's so, I feel like, I, I don't know how much you know of what, what um, we've been through recently, but it's so spot on to like everything that's um, been going on because the healthcare systems, uh, you know, the, the systems in place are not working. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a lot of discussion around, do we br- break down the infrastructure? Do we just like burn it to the ground and rebuild it with, you know, a brand new system. And I know firsthand, I haven't done it, but it, that is the, the implications are much more broad than we realize. We may be able to say it, but when that actually happens, there's a lot of other things that get affected. But I also think it's not realistic in a, a short term. People need help now. So like I've, Yeah, I've been thinking about that a ton. And I'm like, what is, I I think both, I think both mentalities need to exist in order to move forward. But the camp that we are in is let's work within the existing structures and change it and remodel it rather than, you know, completely burning it to the ground and having to rebuild and do what we can to make impact now and in the next 20 to 30 years while other people focus on, you know, really what is it going to take to completely rethink the system and potentially in a hundred years from now, we have a whole new, you know, healthcare system, for example. 
have you faced adversity with bringing this to life? You know, like this is a beautiful idea and far out, but it's still like not mainstream, right? The idea of a doula and a sleep consultant, right? It's not mainstream. And then you're bringing this, this creation to life. Have you faced diversity in community, in the medical field, in your family? I don't know. You know, (laughs) people just be like, what, what are you doing? Yes, yes. And yes. I feel like that's (laughs) the world of entrepreneurship is constantly um, coming in, you know, facing adversity and, and trying to figure out how to learn from it. Cause I, every single time, um, these challenges have come up, it, I've learned a lot from it. So I'm actually very grateful in the middle of them. I I'm not so grateful. I might be like crying in a corner. Um, but <laughs> on the other side of it, I'm like, Oh, I actually understand the perspective. I, I hope we can come to, you know, mutual understanding. Um, I think the the part that I've really been frustrated with, and I've seen a lot of kind of, uh, kind of push towards, so there's this call out culture now, right? So if you disagree with somebody, you're making a big public to do about it. And you're trying to get this mom mentality. And I, th- I think it's terrible. I think that's really awful. And I was actually at a conference where they were talking about calling in culture and how much more effective that can be, where you can have disagreements, um, but you're actually trying to find a mutual place of understanding first before you get, you still can call out, but it's like, let's figure out how to work together before calling out. So I think that that's just been, again, with recent experiences, it's been disappointing to see people go that direction, but yes, I've definitely faced you know, some, some challenges, you know, within the community, you know, people who, um, feel that there's a certain ownership of, of certain things, which I, I totally understand. There's been a lot of amazing effort put into a lot of these initiatives. So I, I completely understand where that comes from. And I only want to continue to bring awareness to it and set it on fire. So like everybody has access to these services, but, um, set it on fire in a good way, not on a burn it down. <laughs> way. <laughs> Let me hey, fire is medicine too, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But just destruction. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, my family, it's really hard balancing, which we all are there, right? Balancing all of this. You were talking about it before we got on the podcast. How do we find time for ourselves and run a business? And I'm consulting part-time still to like, try to keep things afloat and, you know, see my family every once in a while like it's just it's a lot um so there's definitely been challenges there my my family's very supportive and then in the medical community I I actually thought that's where I would face the most kind Mm. of pushback is like why do we need this and I feel things are actually changing this is where that remodeling piece comes in and like we did a residence um uh presentation a couple months ago maybe six months ago um, at women and infants, for example, and they were like, how do we get every patient a doula? How do we get everybody lactation consultants in their community? How do we get everybody their postpartum care? Like they were all about it because, you know, the, the pressure falls on them. They're not mom experts. They're experts on getting the baby out. We can't expect that one provider or two providers or three providers are gonna be able to solve all the challenges that we face in motherhood. Um, So I think it's an unrealistic expectation for them. So they're very appreciative of like, I can offer more things to my patient and I can know when they leave the clinic that their community is catching them and supporting them on the, the back end. So they've been, beyond excited about this. Screw, I got a, I got a call from a midwife the other day. Like, how do I get more people into your programs and get them more of the, we also have products and tools and stuff like that. And they're like, how do we get them this holistic solution? So that's been really great. I'm sure there'll be a point where I get pushed back there too, <laughs> but as of right now, everyone's super, super excited about it. That is so refreshing. I mean, is that not just, I think what every human on this planet needs to hear right now that there is, and, and I think this is the thing too, this is all that we see on social media or whatever, is it conflict, conflict, yeah. conflict, there's fighting, there's this, but how about these stories and conversations where there is collaboration, these ideas are welcome by mm-hmm. these physicians, you know, and, and I think also too, Melissa, like your background and your education and what you did before brings you to such a higher level 
they're where they will understand, you know, where, where people at that level will understand because you guys are used to talking the same language right. and you're going to come from that. So you're just so such the perfect person, right? No, no wonder this is your soul path, right? Because, you know, it's, it's incredible. And I think it's so amazing and it's so needed. And again, I think it is happening more than we hear about, right? And totally agree. And mm-hmm. that's the stuff we should be screaming from the rooftops about is like where collaboration is happening and it not constantly being this, you know, negativity. It's click, it's mm-hmm. clickbait. That's what everyone's going it for, is. right? Like, it how is. are we going to get a million views by just being controversial being and right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Saying something mean about somebody else, right? I also just wanted to come back to, I loved that phrase, the call in culture, call in culture and finding that common ground, finding where, and I feel like, I mean, I don't have to list anything off here. We all know all the controversies that are happening, you know, in the world right now. And right. If, if we could look at each of those and first call in the common ground and really what is the, you know, what does everybody want? Because I think all of this, right. We do all want the same thing. We do all want safety, health, happiness, love, joy, right. Abundance, right. We, we all want all of these things and any conflict and anything that comes up is really just out of fear of not having any of those things, Yeah, you know, and, you know, we're just, and I, and I think when we look at the long line of mothers and children who have gone through really stressful situations. And when we think back generations, when we think back centuries, when we think back, you know, all of that right there, it's compounding, right? It's, it's compounding. And, and with the change in culture, right. And in, in structure of our households and things like that, you know, it's, it's life or death. It is so critical, so important that moms receive this support Yep. And that they're, and, and like, the thing is, and Melissa, you and I have talked about this before, like, we can't burn it all to the ground because there are emergency situations where we need th- that medical service. I yep. mean, like hospitals are, we need hospitals, we need doctors, you know, mm-hmm. we, and, and I think it's, it's extreme to think otherwise. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. You know, I have a homeopath. I have a naturopath. I have a chiropractor. I, but I also get my annual physical. I do you know, and I, and things like that, like it's, it's about integration. And, you know, and I think the, the biggest thing that we all need to do is just keep an open mind. Right. right? Because I think every day we're finding new pieces of this puzzle and, you know, being open to what that piece looks like, (laughs) you know, it's like you're doing the puzzle and you're looking for the one piece to go there and you're expecting it to be blue, but really it's actually has more green in it. So it takes you forever to find it. (laughs) It's the most random analogy ever, but I love it. Oh my God. But you also, the thing I, I find interesting and we're seeing this now, we have, we have a partnership, a healthcare partnership, and um, you have to meet people where they are too. Like you said, where's the common ground, but also meeting them where they are. And one thing that we're finding is like in today's world, the person that is like the most trusted is their medical provider and then they can be exposed to all these other aspects of healing of like essentially just the way I was if somebody you know had told me if my provider had been like oh talk to this doula then that would have opened up that whole world and there's a way to work with providers they they believe that there's you know more support that's needed in other ways to solve the problem so they are very open to these things so that's one thing that we found is like you have to go where people are today. And sometimes it's like too much of a jump if you're going to go straight to like, all right, cool. You totally trust your OB to suddenly let's do a home birth, you know, with a, a, a doula or an unassisted home birth. Yeah. Um, those are things that, you know, are too, just too much of a stretch for, for where people are today. And I'm not saying that that's, you know, the right solution for folks, but I think oftentimes we're trying to um, get that message across about all the other ways you can heal when they're not receiving that message because they're, you know, at a different point right now and the way they're thinking through things. I also love the idea of what we're saying, like illuminating these stories of what is happening behind closed doors. Yeah. You know, like anytime I go have an ultrasound or I'm doing the thing, right. That technician or that doctor, they love talking to me and they're like, 
you know, the technician would be like, I'll tell them what I do and, or I'll tell them that I work with spirit children on the other side. They're like, oh my God, can I ask you about this? Can I tell you about that? Can I, you know, it's like, this is happening behind closed doors. People are excited. Am I stepping onto the bridge first and being like, yes, I am this thing, or I am, I like researching energy and I'm an energy healer and these words, like how many of us can like take that step and then not shove it down people's throats. You know what I mean? Just like, but see if the invitation is open to go there. Even the doctor I had, I, after I gave birth, I found out how like strict she was, but we built such a beautiful relationship together that I instinctively without any pushback from her pushed her to new places like letting her person go to 42 weeks (laughs) like I found out later she does not do that but I did and she didn't question it because I was sound and serious and convicted about what I wanted you know what I mean and it was beautiful to have that relationship with her uh so little things like that you know like we do have the ability to impact yeah our, our choice, these systems, each other, these communities, you know what I mean? And just maybe taking a step on the bridge there. I love that. Taking a step on the bridge and you'll be amazed when you open up like you did to like how many people they want to learn more, or they're like, Oh my God, let me tell you about my experience and how I could have you like, it's just conversations are so, and, and trying to find that common ground is it's so powerful. It is so powerful. It's funny because, you know, I was mostly, I was all in person before, you know, COVID and all that stuff. Then when virtual, now going back in person, now that I am being rooted more in person and I'm having these conversations by going through my own journey through my, again, meeting with my, my, uh, my practitioner and my, um, my, uh, midwife, you know, for my OB visits and things like that. And my chiropractor and my physical therapist, all of these providers, I talk to them about what I do and energy healing and Reiki and, you know, all this stuff. And I get referrals from my providers. Like my, you know, I come to appointments with stacks of cards because they're like, oh my God, please like, you know, get like, give me this information. But there's something that we haven't talked about yet that I do want to bring up on this note, because I think it's so true what you said, Melissa, about people trust their, their providers, people trust their doctors because that's what they know. That's what they've known from the beginning. That's who they have, has that piece of paper on the wall, right? That's who did all those years of school. Like that's, they're going to trust that word, right? Or they put a lot of weight in that. I know from my exercise background as an exercise physiologist, this was a big, this is a big kind of push in that field with the American College of Sports Medicine, where we have a program called Exercises Medicine, where we actually like credential professionals to be able to work with physicians and talk with physicians. And the idea to be to collaborate with the physicians to be like, okay, you, you're not trained in exercise. We get it. Here's, you know, here's, this is the professional that you need for that medicine, right. For whatever prevention management of whatever kind of chronic condition. Right. So the, um, oh my God, I totally lost my train of thought on that one. So, oh yeah. So getting in there with the, with the providers, um, having that collaboration. Oh my God. It was so it, like a sense. Oh yeah, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. No, because this is important because so the, so what, what we found through a lot of conversations with physicians, with people trying to partner up, like, oh, I'm a massage therapist. This helps with this. Oh, I'm a health coach. This helps your patients with this. I'm an exercise, whatever that thing is. A big problem is that people don't want to pay for it. Mm. And not only do they not want to pay for it, but it needs to be so easy. Like people need to outreach to those people. Like, you know, cause you think about it, how stuck people are in their ways you know, with their behavior change and stuff, they've been doing the same thing over and over. You know, it's very hard. It's also very emotional, yeah. right? You know, when all of these things come up and, you know, in order to, you know, to get that support, um, you know, there, there really needs to, there need to be no barriers or as little barriers as possible. And I think that money is such a huge barrier for people. So kind of bringing it back to moms, I, I, I don't know what your thoughts are, ladies, and I'd love to hear, but, you know, moms, 
seem to want to spend the least amount of money on themselves than like any other demographic. They'll drop whatever on their kids or, you know, even, I mean, we'll spend money on what? Like a vacation, a Walmart trip, this, you know, whatever, not really think twice about any of it. And then, you know, but when it comes to our own care, we're like, I can't really swing that, you know, and that sort of thing. So, you know, tell me a little bit about kind of what your experience has been with things like the Flourish Fund or whatever. Yeah, it's it's definitely the case. And we actually surveyed um, families and that came out as like one of the top things is I feel guilt spending on myself. Um, and so that was one of the areas where we we're like, you know, if we bring awareness to the things that people will need. And we definitely see that with like second and third time moms, they're flocking to the flourish fund, for example, because they're like, I know I don't need all that stuff. I really need, um, you know, a, a extra set of hands or somebody to help me get the, the newborn to sleep. Um, and so I think that there's an awareness once you've lived through it, I think it's more challenging, you know, as a, as a first time mom, you think you want to do everything for the baby, but then it does, it does come back. Like even my own self-care, I don't, I don't think I'm taking nearly enough time for myself or, or care, care of myself. Cause we end up putting ourselves last. But I think when you, I think helping people understand what the, what that means, what happens and actually tying it back, unfortunately, to the health of the family and the health of the baby mm -hmm. and saying like, if you're not, if you can't pour from an empty cup, and I know that's like cliche and everybody says that, but it's, it's very much true. Like if you're not healthy and we've seen it happen over and over again, where like people aren't putting their own health and wellness first it is having a negative impact on, on the baby or the family in the long run. So if that is your first priority, you have to make yourself a priority. And I, again, think other cultures do a much better job at this. It's okay in their society and it's expected in their society that moms come, look at the belly. Oh, I love it. <laughs> um, that moms come first. So I think we need to shift that culture, but I think the Flourish Fund definitely opened the door to, you know, how about I put some things for myself on there, mm -hmm. uh, both products and, and services. Um, but I think we have a lot of work to do. And I think it's changing the way society looks at, you know, what the expectation of mothers are. And other societies, again, have shown it and done it. And we just need to adopt those, those practices. Um, and then also just there's, there's the stories out there that show like when you don't take care of yourself, what, what ultimately will happen. And it will cost you a lot more money. And yeah. it's, it's just not, you don't want to, you want to prevent, you don't want to be in that situation. Um, there was something else I was going to say about self-care, but, and that's the other thing I, so I, I love the word self-care, but I also hate it at the same time. Like, it's just another thing we're putting on mom saying like, now you've got to figure out how to care for yourself too we've got to care for moms. Like we need to build that. Like you said, the outreach, you said it before, like we need to build that um, support system around them so that we're reaching out to them and we're offering a helping hand or they're already set up with a flourish fund and they can just pick up the phone. We need to do that. It needs to be community care, not self-care mm. um, is kind of my, my I mentality on it. <laughs> I love that. The just that play on words, but how much weight it holds. And we're so far from that. I mean, I, you know, we're, we're getting there. We're there, right? We're, we're here. We're talking about it now, but it's like that. It's such a vision. Yeah. You know, we care for that. Do you see, I mean, I, we heard that you're already like, you know, you're fundraising and have you started to even have an open invitation to start talking to insurance companies to cover some of this? Like, what's that look like? Cause I think that's another one of those examples. You're, you nailed it, Alyssa, when you're like, we're not going to spend money on this. You know what I mean? Like we got diapers and stuff, you know, all that. So it's like, well, this is one of those systems that obviously needs a reboot or some restructuring. <laughs> we don't need to get into that, but like, Hey, it's here. Hey, can you get your foot in the door? Hey, can we have a conversation? Can we utilize this resource now? Like, have you talked to insurance companies or what does that look like? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So I think there's, especially in Rhode Island, there's a lot of strides towards that. And um, I don't know if you've heard about it, but um, 
the doula bill passed uh, in July. So as of a week ago, doulas are actually being reimbursed, which is amazing. And that Rhode Island actually has the most comprehensive reimbursement out of all the states in the country, which again, woohoo, go Rhode Island. Um, and there was so much effort put into that. I actually was, you know, at the state house testifying in 2019 um, because, you know, I wanted to share the, the impact my own Lauren Amon, my own doula had on my life, my career, everything. Um, so I think we have to, we do have to use our voices and we need to get out there and we need to help people understand the impact that these services can have. We need to show the evidence. I mean, that's ultimately what they're looking for. So I actually, I've had conversations with United. I've had conversations with Blue Cross. Uh, we have a partner now that we're working with, with their Medicaid members, and it's really incredible. And it's just about, you know, are you actually driving better outcomes? And it's it's already been proven in other countries. It drives me crazy that we're still like having to prove it again, but that's just the way they work. So there needs to be some level of clinical evidence that by preventing things on the front end, you will ultimately drive better outcomes on the back end, which ultimately comes down to, are you reducing the cost of care? Right. That's what they care about. So. Yes, the doors open. There's more and more conversations about, you know, postpartum, and unfortunately, our rates continue to um, spike. So the maternal mortality rate is the highest it's it's ever been. You're, I don't want to scare people, but a, a mother today is 50% more likely to die in childbirth and postpartum than her own mother was a generation ago. Wow. And that that rate has continued to go up. And so governments are, our government is stepping in now and putting lots of funding into things that are actually going to drive better outcomes. So I am very hopeful that they'll take a page out of Europe's book and be like, look, these are the things that worked. That's, that's essentially what we're doing. We're bringing together the tools, the services. We stay very much in evidence-based because those are the things that ultimately are going to get people down that path. Um, and we're basically saying like, look, in Europe, Every mom gets sent home with a box, box of things to get her started off on the right foot. And then she's got a nurse who comes home with her to make sure she's doing better, baby's okay, some tips and tricks, maybe a meal. Like these are just standard of care in other countries. It just, it works. So let's just implement mm -hmm. it. <laughs> wow. I, I wish I could see the faces of the moms listening to this now. I like, I think I just heard a jaw drop to the floor. Like this is happening in other countries because we hear about how, you know, there's extended maternity leave and paternity leave and all that stuff in other countries. But I, I feel like we don't always look at all of these other things. Like it's so much more than just mm -hmm. the parents being home. I mean, that's a big piece, obviously, but there's so many aspects of it. So and they're all interconnected. Yeah. Like I, mm. I one thing I'm seeing a lot of in this world now in, in the startups world is a lot of people are looking at like one individual solution, which we're going to need we're going to need a lot of different solutions. I think every solution in this space should be supported because we're going to need thousands and thousands of companies, thousands and thousands of providers. Like we're going to yes. need a lot to solve this. But I think one of the pieces to this is it is very interconnected. So like we're trying to take, instead of it being like a silver bullet and saying it's only services, we're trying to say, look, you give them, you give uh, families a, a breast pump and a, uh, nipple cream, the chances that they do actually have a successful breastfeeding journey go up. Is it guaranteed? No. Are we trying to put pressure on people? No, but they've got a lactation consultant in their corner, helping them utilize the products that are in the box. It's kind of coming and education that comes with that. It's all kind of trying to pull those pieces together because it is connected. It's not just a one size fits all, you know, kind of solution. I love it because it talks to the fact that we are individuals. There is not going to be one tool, one system, one thing that's going to work right. for everyone. So I love that we're kind of coming back to that a little bit more now and really honoring the individual in that way, because again, it's all connected. That in one individual and their path and their ease in getting to that path of wellness, whatever that looks like for them makes a difference on, on the whole that makes a difference in our communities you know in in our country right in on our planet right it all matters it yeah. all matters so it's really really cool to see how all of that comes together and if anyone is really activated after this call like 
I think the three of us are. <laughs> I a message I love to share, and it's like on every single one of my business calls lately is these are not saturated markets. We are understaffed. We need all hands on deck. We need all the help we can get. This is like a who wants to be part of this? Like, uh, you know what I mean? I think anyone on the front lines is waving a white flag, whether we're talking the healing world, the postpartum world, the medical world, wherever. I think we're really understaffed. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like, you know, this isn't, we're not comfortable. This is not comfortable. When you hear that mortality rate about our country, along with all the other rates we have shooting up in this country, you know what I mean? It's like, we're not as civilized as we think we are or whatever the word is, you know, um, we're in like, kind of like SOS mode. And again, no, not trying to go fear-based, but I think this is just a reality-based conversation. It is. And I think you make a good point that there's a space there's, it's such an underserved market and there's so much work to be done. We need to be collaborating business to business. We need to be working together, not fighting with each other, trying to figure out who's owning what piece and don't come on my tear. That, that is not the way we're going to succeed. Mm-hmm. And I, anybody who's listening to this that has, you know, a mother focused business, I'd love to talk to you because I think we need to you know, get the message out. To, the more, we're stronger together. We need to work together in order to make this really happen. And I really despite, I hate seeing women tear other women down. Um, I, I hate seeing co- competition when this entire market is ripe for opportunity. Um, and we'll do so much better if we, we work together. So I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> Bridging off that segue, because I feel like one, working with women and two, the what's the next step for Flourish Fund? And I'm like, I'm not trying to go that crazy with you. I, I, but I, I, if you're a generator, I know your brain's already there. Or like, <laughs> what's the next level out when you think of like what Alyssa does, you know, Reiki like a mother. Or like I have a program coming out in September called the Stay at Home Soulpreneur, like essentially helping moms who are like, I, I am just, I can emotionally feel moms that are destroyed when that 12 week mark comes or mm-hmm six weeks for some in this country mm-hmm. and they're like every part of me is saying do not leave this child but I have to go back to work because I have to pay for this pay for this pay for this and I'm like big major red alarms going off in my world right so I'm right. like I want I'm I have to design a whole program around this and I know uh Alyssa is doing this for like the whole after with the you know like not even just postpartum in like the fourth trimester like what's that next year look like? What does the next five look like? You know, so how can people like, you are getting definitely listeners who are in these worlds. How can we help you? I love that. And I, I again, feel like it's so interesting. I just had a, um, a company reach out and they're like, I want to equip my, my moms who are coming back from that leave with whatever resources they need. Mm. So like, even employers are starting to step up to the plate now. So I think there's, um, I ultimately think that whatever the needs are for that, that, that family, they should have the flexibility to, like, I don't think it should be, you will get a doula and you only get a doula. I think the, the, the dollars that are, you know, part of insurance and, and helping families should go to whatever is going to help them through that next one to five years. I saw an incredible study that actually talked about the implications of morbidity and mortality, not immediately postpartum, not fourth trimester. It was for mom and baby all the way to five years. That's what they were looking at. It's the first time that study had ever been done. Wow. And the implications, it was like $300 billion in healthcare costs. So like doing these types of things that will prevent that outcome. Yes. Hell yes. We need to we need to make that a reality and let people choose what tools they need best. So I, I'm really hoping we can expand beyond, um, you know, where we are today and kind of start getting into more of, um, you know, energy healing and things like that. But if the evidence, like we need to show the evidence, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only way right. the system moves forward. But I love that. I'm just thinking about the the client that I just was talking to about trying to get her back to work. And I'm like, where is this program now? <laughs> I need Jamie this program right now. Cause she's, she's a high powered lawyer. And she was talking about like 
the challenges that she's facing. And I'm like, you know, honestly, it's about looking at your life today and figuring out what you're you might need to reprioritize might be the answer, but I feel like you would be much more. I'm like, I'm not an expert. So I, I just want to in touch with the right expert. <laughs> oh, it just, it excites me so much. You know, I think the question for what Alyssa does and what I do really boils down to like, well, what matters? Cause everything right. has changed and anything that you were goes out the door and you are this new yeah. person. And then asking like, what matters hundred percent is huge. So nobody's asking, <laughs> nobody's yeah. asking moms that, right? What matters to you now? Right. Oh my God. So good. And Melissa, I, I, I think I mentioned this before too, but I want to tell you my vision for you, for your, for your future and the future of Flourish Fund, because what I hear that is so needed right through all of this, these conversations and the millions of conversations we've had about stuff like this is we need a navigator. There needs to be a health navigator or wellness navigator or whatever for every mother, right? I mean, every person, patient, whatever, but fuck that. This is the Embodied Mommy podcast. We are talking about moms. Moms need their own navigator to be like, oh, right. We were talking about this. Like most, some insurance companies, a lot of insurance companies will cover a prenatal massage. But they don't know that. They don't know that. They don't know that, you know, so there are these lactation consultants, they're insurance, you know, and, and, but there, you know, there needs this, but that's such a, it's such a different language. Like, unless you've right. been in that field and really understand how to navigate and, and read these ridiculous, you know, policies and documents and stuff on like what's covered, you know, nobody really knows. Right. Yeah. And it's a lot of work and a lot of brain space and a lot of focus and, you know, that's just space and energy that moms don't have. Right. So having some kind of service where there's like a navigator, like to help through, I don't know, figure it out. Okay. (laughs) I know. I love it. And it goes back to that, that concept we were just talking about before self-care versus community care. Like don't go putting the burden on the mom to go figure out what her benefits are, what's covered, who's in network, like, go, go, you know, filed for disability. It's like the, the burden just gets thrown on top of everything else that, you know, patients are are thinking about, especially, you know, in underserved communities. Like it's just, that is not even, there's no mind space for those things. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So it's, I, I love that Alyssa next, next step, <laughs> <laughs> next step, next level. What happens yeah. when you get in front of me and Alyssa? She's yeah. like a manifesting generator. I'm a generator. We just jive. I love it. We yeah. gotta do this again. <laughs> I know, right? All right, beautiful. So just to kind of wrap things up in terms of, obviously we've been talking a lot about the Flourish Fund and its benefits and the amazing things. Can any mom sign up for a registry? That's a great question. So um, the way it's set up is you can either sign up for a registry if you're expecting, or if you just want to, you know, take advantage of the network of providers, you can go straight to the experiences page and search by category and find a provider and book straight through there. We've had a lot of moms who may have started out with a registry and then go back to rebook, you know, providers that they're comfortable with through um, the, the platform. So it really doesn't matter what stage we had a mom who had a three-year-old that she was going back to do sleep consulting with her three-year-old. So it doesn't matter what stage you're at. Um, it's always, you know, you always need the support, like you said. And I think we need to start focusing on what comes after one year, two year. I can't think about that right now, but mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the future is like, how do we continue yeah. to support? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you can start a registry if you go, you know, to the main page, but if you want to just find an amazing provider, vetted provider, you can do that by going to the, um, experiences and support and booking directly through there. That's amazing. And also, cause I was just on the website again, yesterday updating, I was actually having my intern update some, some stuff on my profile. <laughs> yeah. And, and while I was on, I was like, oh my God, I forgot, I forgot how, I mean, that website is such a plethora of information and resources that you have on there. Like, 
it's incredible articles, videos. I forget. I have, a, I think like a mind, 15 minute mindfulness guide on you there do. or something like it's yeah. Probably. And so, you know, so any mom, even just, just go check out the website. Like there are, there's so much information, so many tools. And like you said, you can, you can go right to the experience page, even if you're beyond having a registry or anything like that. And I know there are a lot of virtual services, like a lot of the people that I've met yeah. through you offer virtual services. So even if moms are listening to this, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So, um, you know, any mom listening to this doesn't matter where you are, if you're not in new England, if who knows, maybe this is a couple of years later and flourish fund is already in every state. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> Put that vibe out there. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. Good. All right. Is there anything else that anybody wants to say as we come to a close here? I guess if you are looking for the website, it's theflourishfund.com. We had people go to flourishfund.com. It will not work. Go to theflourishfund.com. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Cause I think I actually ended up having to Google it yesterday myself <laughs> because I was typing it in correctly. Thank you. No, this was a links too. Yeah. Yeah. No, but th- I really appreciate you having me on Jamie. It's amazing to finally meet you after hearing so much about you. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the next time we all regroup and maybe you can tell me more about this, the generator that I am. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm learning about this too. Always learning. I feel like that's part of the process, but I love, um, you know, women supporting women and moms supporting moms. So this is incredible. And thank you for like pulling together this amazing panel, Alyssa, you always I don't know how you do it. You always do it though. (laughs) Just love my people. That's all. I love my people and I want everybody to hear from them. That's what it's all about. Love it. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much ladies for this conversation. Thank you to all of our listeners and always asking, spread the word, share this message, share all this information. All of our contact information is in the notes. So please feel free to reach out with any questions, any aha moments that you had during this and just keep loving, loving yourself, loving your babies, loving your life. It'll all be good. (laughs) Friday vibes. It's a Friday. We're recording this. I'm ready for the weekend. (laughs) Bye.